Good morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you'll turn to Luke, the sixth chapter, Luke, the sixth chapter, I'm going to read a few verses of scripture uh, in Matthew, but Luke is primarily where I'll be this morning as I give you time to turn there. I was studying through this maybe a month or two ago, and uh, it was one of those times that I read through the Bible. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you get to a particular part in the Bible and you read a particular verse and it, it literally, it stuns you. Even though you've read it many times, it just kind of hits you really, really hard and you just have trouble moving past it and going on to anything else. And uh, that has, has been in my mind. And uh, I had some other things that I was going to speak about this morning, but late in the night, last night, I woke up and this came back to my mind and I was praying that the Lord would be in it. So I hope that uh, you can be prayerful for me because like Brother Tim said, the Spirit of the Lord is not with us. I'll just be wasting your time. So I hope he's with me today. So Luke, the sixth chapter is where I'm going to spend most of my time. But in Matthew, the 23rd chapter, I want to read a few verses to you here. And this is the Lord speaking in Matthew, the 23rd chapter to a group of people about Pharisees. And in verse 8... He says something that's very intriguing to me. He says, But be not ye called rabbi or teacher. It says, For one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. In verse 9, he says, And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. Now, those are not the verses that stunned me. We'll get to that later. But as I read through this here, a couple of things that really jumped out at me. One is that the Lord is identifying a couple of his titles, right? Now, uh, all of us have some sort of title. It might be brother, it might be father, it might be you know daughter, son, whatever. All of us carry some sort of title, and the Lord has many titles. But two of the titles that he says here is he refers to himself as a father, and he refers to himself as... As a master, now that tells me something, that tells me that those are two different things. To be a father and to be a master. Now, he says in here, call no man your father upon the earth. He's not speaking about calling your biological father, father, for that's their title. I'm not sinning to go up to my dad and call my dad father. Even Jesus himself refers to uh, men and their sons. He, He uses that term father in a biological sense. But he's speaking about call no man father in the same way that you would refer to me as father. Now, in what way is the Lord our father? Being born again today is not my subject. But we identify on this earth, we identify our fathers uh, with, a, with a birthing process. I know that primarily comes from the mother, but our fathers are, are part of who give us life, right? Every single person in here has a father. Now, that father may have passed on, uh, or maybe that uh, father's alienated from you and you don't know him, but everybody has a father. And in the same way that that father contributed to giving you life, we refer to God the Father as somebody that gives us life. He doesn't give us physical life in the the sense that I'm talking about today. He gives us spiritual life. And we can talk about that another Sunday, another sermon. But that's the way he's our father. We are born again by him. By the Spirit of God is how we receive spiritual life. And so that's why he carries that title, right? That's why we refer to him as Father. You could say, uh, you could speaking of Jesus Christ, you could say one of his titles uh, is Savior, right? Because he is the one that took, took our sins upon the cross, and in, and in doing so, he became our Savior. Many different titles, that's my point. 
Another title that the Lord is referring to here is one I really want to talk about today is master. The Lord says, I am your master. Now, in what way is the Lord our master? A master is somebody that uh, sometimes in the Bible, you can also uh, see the word Lord, capital L, used for master. Lord, capital L, or master interchangeably. He's our father because he gave us spiritual life. In what way is he our master? If you go back to the Old Testament, there's one thing that is very, very clear. Is that God has a particular way that he wants his children to live. Nobody can read through the Bible and say, well, you know, I, you know, I read about all God. and all this. I just don't really know how I'm supposed to act. It's very, very clear in the Bible what the Lord expects of his children. And when we follow the commandments of the Lord. We are referring to him through our actions as our master. Are you with me? <clears throat> In Luke, the sixth chapter is where I want to go to today. Luke, the sixth chapter. I want you to keep those terms in your mind. Father, master. In Luke, the sixth chapter, in verse 46, this is the verse that just really hit me hard the other day. This is the Lord speaking. And it says, why call ye me Lord or master and do not the things which I say? Now, that ought to hit all of us a little bit hard. Why do you call me your master, but you don't do what I'm telling you to do? Now, that's a, that's a good question that, that, that needs to be asked. I was thinking about this, and, um, you know, most everybody here knows, probably, I guess it's 12, 13 years ago now, I decided to open up my own dental practice in Gordo, and, and along with that, um, you, you become the boss. I'd never been the boss, but you become the man in charge, and you have to make decisions, and you have to outline policies, and you have to do all these things, and you hire people, and, and you know, you, uh, you know, one of the things that, that we do when we hire somebody or I hire somebody is they get a personal policy manual, and here's all our policies, and basically it says, here is the way that I want things done. I'm the one that went to the school. I'm the one that took out the uh, unbelievable amount of debt to start a business and start a practice. This is how I want things to go. It's my policies. And when we first started, um, there was a person that worked with me. <clears throat> She's long since been gone. Um, and one of the things, she was doing something that uh, I specifically said, this is something that we are not going to be doing. And I noticed her doing it, and, and it just, I just kind of scratched my head and said, now I know I've been clear on this. I know I've been clear on this. Why is she continuing to do this? And so I went to her and said, hey, just, just so we're on the same page, look at this policy manual. We've talked about it before. Here's something that you're doing that I don't want to be a part of what we have going on here. This is no joke. I walked down the hall. Five minutes later, I walk back down the hall, and she's doing it again. So as a, as a, as in a sense, as a master, I stood there scratching my head. It's like, why do you call me your boss, and you're not doing what I ask you to do? It was perplexing to me. And just think how the Lord looks at us. Why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me master, and you don't do 
what I'm asking you to do? That's a good question. It goes on to say this. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. Now, I like this part because he's fixing to give you the benefit. You know, he's not asking you to follow him blindly. He's not asking you to obey him without understanding why you need to obey him. I preached a sermon a long time ago. I believe it's, uh, it may be Romans, the third chapter. It says, you know, what advantage does the Jew have? And it says much in every way because unto the Jews were given these commandments in the Old Testament. And we go through and I went through in that sermon and looked at the the commandments they were giving and how they protected the Jewish people, how they protected the Israelites from all manner of trouble and sicknesses and diseases and problems. There was a huge advantage to obeying the Lord and doing it God's way. I've heard Brother Tim say many, many, many times God's way works. We just have to be willing to do it God's way. And so he says here, why, are you, why do you call me master and you, you're not doing what I say? That makes no sense. If you're going to call me master, then you should be doing the things that I say. You see, there's nothing I can do. There is absolutely zero things I can do that will cease to make me the son of my father. I can go down and change my name. I can deny him. I can run from him. I can never acknowledge him again in this life. But he is still my father because somewhere down inside me is a DNA strand that says so. I cannot change that. And in the same way, we can't change that we're the children of the father in heaven. But we can most certainly change whether he's our master or not. What makes him your master is if you're doing what he says. And to me, it's like the Lord is saying this. Why are you calling me your master and not doing the things I say? Either do the things I say or stop calling me your master. Because you may cause some confusion to people. And I think that's happened in today. A lot of folks running around saying, Jesus is my master. But they're not doing the things the Lord says and to the to the world or to maybe the people that are that lack understanding, they look and say, well, that doesn't make much sense to me. So Jesus is saying, if you're not going to do what I'm saying, stop calling me master. And if you're going to call me master, do the things that I'm telling you to do, because there's a tremendous benefit to it. What is that benefit? He says, whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a ha- an house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. I'm, I'm glad he put that part in there. That this, these storms that we face in life, number one, the storms that we have to face in life, they have the ability to destroy us. They have the ability. Another place where this is written, it talks about bringing that house to desolation. To not follow the commandments of God and to find ourselves in the midst of a storm of life has the absolute, not only possibility, but likelihood that we will find our house, our being, our state of mind, our relationships 
in, in, in desolation. And so it says the reason. The reason it is important to do the things that I say is because the storms are going to come. The storms are going to be powerful enough to bring houses to desolation. But if you will do what I say, if you will call me master and actually do the things that I say, when those storms come, you will be able to withstand them. That's why the Lord says you need to obey what I'm doing. And when the Lord looks down and he sees his people not doing the things that he has told them to do or doing the things he's not told them to do. He is scratching his head in confusion. I know he's not confused, but in our minds, standing there looking down saying, why do you call me Lord and you don't do the things I say? Don't you understand that living a life based on the principles that I have given you will help you withstand the storms in life? Another sermon I preached <clears throat> several years ago, I guess, I believe it was at Zion. And I talked about um, the way that we receive love. There's different ways we can give love, but I also talked about the way we receive love. There are things that you could do for me that, don't get me wrong, I would appreciate. But there are certain things that you can do for me that I would not only appreciate, but it would make me feel loved. And I asked uh, Tiffany, I said in that sermon that day, I said, what is it that makes you feel loved? What can I do as a husband and as a father to make you feel loved? You know, she said, she's had several things, but one of the main things she said was, just keep us laughing. Just, just keep the family lighthearted. Keep joking with us. Keep laughing with us. And just bring a spirit of joy in the midst of a very dark world. Well, that's, that's how she received one way that she received love. Well, do you know how the Lord receives love? The Lord says in John the 14th chapter, He says, If ye love me, obey my commandments. That's very simply put. If you want to express your love to the Lord, you do not have to go out and slay a lamb and offer burnt sacrifices and do all this kind of stuff. You don't have to swim across the ocean to take a box of Bibles to somebody in a foreign country that doesn't have them unless he tells you to. You just have to obey him. And that's how he feels love from his people. And listen, the Bible also tells us this, that the, the Lord's commandments are not grievous. Amen. The Bible says, uh, he says, my commandments are not grievous. We can't stomp our foot and say, Lord, it's too hard. I can't follow you, Lord. I guess my house is just going to be built on sand because you've made an unattainable level of obedience that I just can't follow it. We cannot claim that. The Bible says, now I'm not, he, he, he says my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, there is a yoke. And it does take effort and it does take sacrifice to follow the Lord, but it is not beyond our capability. Right. Now, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, when it says here, it says he is like a man which built a house and he dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. That sounds like effort to me. That sounds like he's got to go out and do some digging and find the rock so he can build his house on. That's not easy to do. 
it requires some effort, but it is perfectly within our ability. <clears throat> and sometimes that's what every child of God has got to do. You got to do some digging. You got to dig deep. You know, we went and watched uh, the football game Friday night and it brought back a whole lot of memories. Well, Asher's football game Friday night brought back a whole lot of memories playing football. And I remember one of the things the coaches used to say, they probably still say today, is, you know, when things got kind of difficult, they used to tell you to dig deep, right? So you need to dig deep. And what they're meaning, like, you, you've got to get down inside of yourself and you gotta you gotta dig past the fatigue, and you gotta get pat dig past the laziness, and you gotta dig past the distractions, and you've gotta find something down deep inside of you that has that there's some strength down in there, there's some commitment down in there, but you gotta dig through some stuff to find it. Right. And in the same way, the Lord's saying we gotta dig deep sometimes through our own desires, through our distractions, through our sinful nature, to find something worth building on. Amen. Sometimes you got to dig through this, right? right? Much studies of weariness of the flesh, and the Bible says uh, that we're supposed to rightly divide this word. You know, uh, I was thinking the other day that, you know, if you were going to be a, a referee for, for, uh, for the NCAA, and somebody handed you a rule book, which I imagine is probably humongous, They've probably got so many rules. We know the basic rules. There's probably rules we never even heard of. And you picked up that book and you went through a hundred page book and you highlighted about 10 different rules and you put it down. What kind of ref are you going to be? You got to dig through that book to find out exactly what it says. And that's the way this book is. We ought to not just pick it up and read it and check it off the list. We got to dig. And sometimes we've got to dig within our own self to find what it takes to build something that will stand upon. Are you with me? Amen. Now, <clears throat> let me give you this as I, re- I get ready to close. A good example, a great example to me of a man that chose to dig, find a foundation worth building on, built something on it, and withstood the storm. There are plenty of examples in our Bible of men who just couldn't find the fortitude to dig. So they built on what was there. And when the winds came and the waves came, they fell. Think about Samson, right? What do you think this, this superhero of a man? I mean, it, it has strength beyond any... I mean, there, look, there's not a soul in here that could kill a thousand Philistines by himself. Not one. We probably couldn't find a man that could kill five Philistines by himself. But Samson is a superhero. Can you see the fall of his house? Because listen, Samson, Samson never dug deep. Samson never dug past the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. He never dug through that to get to something worth building on. And don't you know when this superhero felt the hot searing iron going into his eyes to take them out, he thought great is the fall of this house. Right? You can think about Achan, who really is even a worse story than Samson. Because Achan disobeyed the Lord and took some Babylonian garments. And not only did Achan fall, his whole house fell. Plenty of examples of that. But I want to look at a man that built something, on a, built a, a, a house on a foundation that was stand. His name is, is Paul. Paul is, uh, has a great 
great regeneration experience, great conversion experience uh, as he talks with, uh, with Ananias and he listens as, as he's preached to. And Paul begins to dig past all the things in his life that are distractions till he finds the rock that is Christ. And he begins to build on that. And he begins to go and to teach and to preach. And in Acts 16th chapter says, And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Now, you know, we swap stories, right? We love, we, there's, there's a song in our hymn book that says, I love to tell the story. We love to tell stories. Brother Tim and I, Brother Neil, Brother Jim, we all will share wonderful stories. I, I, Sister Margot's here. There is a story of Margot. Mar, and Sister Margot, I'm convinced that story is going to live on past our generations. Somebody will draw strength on. We love to get together and say, let me tell you about this girl that came to Bethlehem from Kansas. And we don't even know how she'd get here. It's like she came here from the house and the Wizard of Oz and fell. And she's just here. And she's faithful. And we love her. And boy, that makes us just, it just strengthens us. I'm telling you, it strengthens. We, we love. And if you've got stories, share them with us. Listen, uh, it, it's like Brother Tim said a while back. It, it doesn't take much to encourage a primitive Baptist preacher. Share those stories with us. And don't you know Paul is here thinking, oh man, let me tell you about the time we had with Lydia. Oh, she loved us and the Lord had done a work in her. Let me tell you about this lady that we ran across. Cloud nine. I, I can feel how Paul must have felt. He's on cloud nine. But what he doesn't know is off in the distance, there's some rumblings of thunder. He doesn't know it because he doesn't have the radar. But there's a major storm coming. But he's on cloud nine and he's clueless. And it goes on, it says, And it came to pass as, as, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show, us, show unto us the way of salvation. That's not how she said it. Because that's, that's pretty awesome. I wish people would follow me around and say, Oh, there's Luke, the preacher of the truth, who shows us the doctrines of grace. That's not how she said it. These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Very sarcastic. Very hateful. You know how I know? Because Paul got tired of it. She did this many days, mocking them. Paul, being grieved, and turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour, and it gets Paul in a world of trouble. Now he can see the lightning. Now he hears the thunder. Now he feels the wind blowing because these men take him and take Silas. They drag them to the magistrates. They, the Bible says they put many stripes on them. They beat the dog out of them. A lot different than being on Lydia's cloud nine, right? All right, the storm has come. What's he going to do? Think that first stripe hit him? Bam. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I won't do it anymore. I'll, I'll, I'll see if we can put it back in her. The next one, bam. The next one, bam. Stripe after stripe. Lightning bolt after lightning bolt striking him. 
All right, what's, what, what are you built on, Paul? Are you fixing to fall? Or are we going to see your house stand? Amen. So they laid many stripes on him. They cast him into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Beaten in stocks, very uncomfortable. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. In the midst of this storm, look at this house. Unshaken. Unshaken. And the storm passes by, and here's this house that Paul has built on the rock. I'm not saying he's not hurting, and I'm not saying he's not uncomfortable. But he withstood the storm and that had such a tremendous impact that a Philippian jailer and all of his household were converted and followed the Lord. The Bible says that ye are not your own. Ye are bought with a price. You are a servant and you have a master. And that master looks at us and, and sometimes says, why do you call me master? But you don't do what I say. Don't you realize the benefits of doing what I say? I dare say that if Paul had not been faithful to the Lord and not had, had, had not been digging deep to find something in himself and had not laid his foundation on the rock that is Christ, he would have fallen. But he stood and it had a huge impact on those around him. My prayer is that we all, with a clear conscience, could call Him our Master. Listen, we all mess up. We all sin. But our habit should be to do the things that God has told us to do. And I assure you that your storm is coming. There are rumblings on, on the horizon that we cannot hear yet. And our storm is coming. But the Lord, like the song said this morning, the Lord will keep us in those storms. We sing the song that says, hide me in the hollow of your hand. And when that storm passes by and all that's left is the damp ground, but the lightnings and the thunders are gone, that we'll still be standing. Amen. That's our prayer. I hope you can call it master and I hope that that's been profitable to you.